What's going on, good people? It's your host, Jono the Giant, with my boy, JV, welcoming you to another episode of the Giant Fundamentals Podcast, where we discuss black male issues, growing and healing, and getting on the other side of greatness. Now, before you even tune in, please leave a rating and review, and do not forget to subscribe. Mr. Jerry Vaval, what's going on, my brother? <laughs> JTG. <laughs> what's good, man? What's popping? Yo, you know, another day, another dollar, another dollar, another day. Day by day, man. Day by day. Definitely, definitely. I mean, let's jump right into it. You know, what's your giant gratitude for this week? Man, my giant gratitude is awareness and information mm. because, uh, you know, I I saw the psychiatrist today to see if getting on antidepressants will help me out um, and just this discovery that I'm going through, like mainly since May on how trauma has affected me not just emotionally and mentally but physically as well mm-hmm. and um i remember my wife was saying it she was like yo could you imagine like look how much information you know about this stuff of mental health like your trauma and all the things that you've been through and you see there's a direct connection to how it's affecting your physical health and now you know you're checking your blood sugar and you're doing all these different things like imagine for the people who don't know even an ounce of what you know, how much they're struggling. And I'm like, man, that's very true because, you know, for the longest I've always been like trying to lose weight and I would lose a lot of weight and I did good for one period of time, but then stresses of life come, I go right back to eating. And I used to really beat myself up a lot. Like, yo, why can't I lose weight? This mm-hmm. and that, so on and so forth. But now that I know, it's because there's trauma literally in my body that's causing me not to be able to lose weight. And food is one of those things that I used to comfort me growing up as a kid because I was so lonely and I wanted connection and I got that through food. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, that awareness and that information allows me to exercise self-compassion instead of me just thinking like, oh, man, you're just fucking up. You're not serious. You know how... You know how it is, how we grew up, how we think to, you know? So I'm thankful for that, man, for that awareness, man. That's I'm really grateful for that awareness. Well, you said antidepressants. So, you know, I'm thinking about those commercials that said, have you taken this mm-hmm. in the years 1999 to 2009? You may suffer from, <laughs> you know, yeah. we have a stigma in the black community when it comes to, to pills and, and, and medicine and drugs. So, like, what's, like... Give me the real, like, I, you know what I mean? I try to be a holistic person, but I do get scared when I hear the term antidepressants. Yeah, so when it comes to antidepressants or any type of drug, any pharmaceutical drug, is there to help enhance your life or whatever you're struggling with. Because a lot of times what people don't understand is that the holistic way is more preventative. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, it can't bring you to a certain place. So like right now, I'm diabetic, so I'm taking metformin. It's not for me to be on metformin for the rest of my life. 
It's mm. for it's to help me to get down to a normal blood sugar level while I'm doing the metformin. I'm also eating healthy as well, mm-hmm. so that I can get it down to a normal state, so I can get off of it. Gotcha. Same thing with the antidepressants. The antidepressants is the same exact thing. I'm going to be taking it along with exercising, which is actually known to be better than antidepressants itself, mm-hmm. and doing meditation and still going to therapy and starting to implement massage therapy into my life. So doing all those things along with the antidepressants until I'm able to like really be leveled out because I have, I have over 30 years of trauma. Well, let me, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have over 30 years of trauma. So mm-hmm. I need extra help. And yeah. a lot of us need extra help and it's nothing wrong with that. Like, yo, I'm a therapist. Like I should be embarrassed to say that. Right. <laughs> but, just because I'm a therapist, it doesn't mean I'm not human. I don't have issues. I mean, my trauma is what made me become a therapist. Right. right? So um, it's nothing wrong with antidepressants. And honestly, some people, some people aren't it for the rest of their lives. And that's okay. Like, you need to be able to function at your best. It's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean you're crazy or something's quote-unquote wrong with you or you're not normal. You just need assistance. Yeah, I think sometimes in our community, we're more worried about the side effects of a drug versus the side effects of our life, if that makes mm, sense. Yeah, and here's, here's what I... Oh, my God. Right. This is the thing about thing. the side effects of what people don't understand mm-hmm. is if it happened... Okay, let me back up. Mm. They go into the lab. They test the thing on some type of mouse or something or whatnot. Right. And if, if, if something happens one time, like say if somebody, if the, the mouse got... This one mouse out of like a hundred and thirty got like this little rash on his on his fingers or something. Right. Even though it happened one time, they have to put that and say this is a possible side effect. Why? Right. Because they don't want to get sued. Mm-hmm. So sometimes a lot of the side effects that we're so worried about, we don't even end up really having side effects. Right. And for me personally, I'd rather have the side effects and get better than to continue on that same path of getting worse right. and worried about side effects. I just think it's just a fear in general when it comes to medication. But nobody's scared to drink alcohol till they puke. Nobody's afraid to to smoke weed and do shrooms until they pass out. Nobody's afraid to do those things. <laughs> but we're so afraid to do something or take a pharmaceutical drug that's supposed to help enhance our lives and help us out. Now, now we're worried about side effects. Now we're worried about side effects. Yeah. So trust me. And after this podcast, I'm gonna get the correct spelling of metformin so we can send them the clip, get a little check. Met- metformin. Oh, <laughs> yeah. metformin is just a drug. No, that's why I'm trying to get all the sponsorship deals we can get. We got a little check for a little little plug. <laughs> you know, and you bring up a great point because especially when it comes to men, Caribbean men, and how we're so scared of the doctor it reminds me of my father, right? He has always, he's had that bad back and um, he did not want to have that back surgery because one of the risks was you may be paralyzed. If things go bad, you could be paralyzed for the rest of your life. But when I see the quality of his life over the last 12 years, like, you know what I mean? To the yeah. point where when, when I, one of our boys was going to have that same surgery, even though yeah. he was like 30 years younger, yeah. I was like, bro. Get that surgery because you Heck see yeah. my report, right? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. And to your point on that, so like I've always struggled with the weight. Yeah. So now there's this there's this new 
drugs that they give or a shot a shot that they give it will it'll help curb your appetite or help you lose weight or whatnot it's called one of them is called ozempic so my doctor referred it to me so i'm trying to get on it sponsor. and then huh sponsor <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you're ridiculous <laughs> so um i was telling a wife that even before that i was like yo man I'm just going to have to get the surgery, like the, the weight loss surgery, because yo, I can't keep struggling like this. Cause, but she's nervous about it because she was like, oh, but you don't know this and that and that, whatever, whatever. But today we had a conversation about it. I was like, look, I'm going to try the Ozempic. If it don't work, I'm going to have to do the surgery because there is a circular thing that's happening with me in terms of my health, mm -hmm. physically and mentally. So, you know, I have the sleep apnea. Yeah. If I don't sleep well... I can't lose weight. So I'm busting my ass in the gym, going five o'clock in the morning, three, four days a week. Mm -hmm. And the scale ain't moving. Inches mm -hmm. ain't falling off like that. Why? Because I'm not sleeping well. So I can't mm -hmm. lose weight. And then I'm not sleeping well. That also plays a role into me being very irritable. Mm -hmm. And then it also plays a role in me feeling depressed because the psychiatrist said that today. She said, oh, you have sleep apnea? She said, you know, sleep apnea and depression are closely tied. There's research that shows when someone has sleep apnea and they get it treated and they get on the machine and the mask, within three months, their depression goes away. Wow. So it's like, bro, I got to do something. You know, and I'm not going to be afraid that, oh, this is going to happen. No, because my quality of life, like, y'all, I'm young. I can't be feeling like this and going through life like this. Nah, kid. You know, Please. at first it was a pride in me. I was like, nah, I can't. I see people doing the surgery. I was like, nah, man, I know how to work out. I know how to exercise. I know how to eat healthy. I did it before. You know what I'm saying? But now I'm, I'm humbling. I'm submitting to myself. I'm like, yo, where I was when I was 25, when I lost like 70, 80 pounds, when I was 25 to where I'm right now at 38, mm -hmm. those are totally two different journals. They had totally two different lifestyles. I didn't have kids at that time. Right. No kids. I didn't have the demand of work that I have now. Mm -hmm. I didn't have this business here, this business there. Go. I didn't have all that stuff going on. I was just a kid in college. Right. So it was easier for me at that time. So I have to do that mental assessment, that emotional assessment, and put my pride and my ego to the side and be like, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to live till I'm 100. So I got to do everything I can right now, like whatever it takes to get to that point. And, and you, live with the results. And you named like so many ailments that like, because you can't sleep, you can't, your working out is not effective. The depression's creeping in. Now you're emotionally eating. Now you're diabetic. So you named like five, six things that is affecting your quality of life that you're aware of. So can you imagine the men that are out there that are ignoring it, that are not aware of it, that are not don't want to go to the doctor to get checked up, to be ahead of the the, the curveball, and mm. we got to check our prostate soon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. oh, we should be about to check it now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's like that 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 to me is scary. You know what I mean? Like as much as I don't like fear, that is appropriate fear. Yeah. <laughs> right. The cure to fear is action. And I like the fact that you're taking that action. When I share my story of navigating through drug and gang violence in my community as a kid, dropping out of high school, 
to speaking to over 100 juvenile detention centers and schools in the country, sharing my story in countries like Haiti and Malawi, Africa, and becoming a licensed marriage and family therapist, people always ask me, how did I do it? If you want to know so you can make massive change in your life as well, click the link in the show notes to my book, When Giants Get Fed Up, From Anger to Ambition. And once you've read it, please feel free to leave me a rating and review. Yeah, man, I'm 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 all of, I'm all about preventative measures, man. I really don't want to get to the point where I'm in a situation where it's like it's I'm far too gone. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I had the blood clot situation back in 2019, and God paired me with a uh, a hospital mate. He was God sent because he was trying to warn me because mm-hmm. that guy was on dialysis. Mm-hmm. And he was talking to me and he was like, what are you here for? I was telling him, he said, yeah, I'm here on dialysis. And he sounded like a young man. He, like he probably was like, man, maybe like late 40s, early 50s. And he was like, yeah, you know, he let his diabetes get out of control. He didn't control it. And so then he had kidney failure and all this other stuff. And he was like, yeah, man, don't end up like me. Don't end up like me, this and that and that. Like, make sure you take care of yourself, so on and so forth. And then, boom, here I am. I'm diabetic, mm-hmm. type 2 diabetes. And that was what? We're in 2023. That was four years ago. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa. And I'm tempted to beat myself up. But now I have the knowledge and the understanding that all the trauma that I experienced played a role in this. Like, you're 32 times more likely to have health issues, diabetes, hypertension, heart attacks, when you have four or more ch- adverse childhood experiences. Meaning, you grow up in a home, single-parent home, you grow up in poverty, you grow up in the hood, you you just, there's so many different things. Like, you getting bullied, um, I don't know. You name That's it. There's good. so many different adverse childhood experiences, especially in the black community that we experience. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced over 10. And then I'm like, oh, this is why I struggle with my weight issues. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I'm really trying to do at, at, at my position, at my job being the VP of clinical operations. I'm really trying to bring the, the healthcare side and the mental health care side together because we need to work together because you can't just tell somebody, oh, yeah, you have hypertension, stop eating salty food. We got to go deeper. Why are they so connected to this? Why they can't let that go? You got to look through trauma. And like I told you the other day when I went to that that health fair that I had to present at, and the lady was just talking about all the stats when it comes to all type of cancers, diabetes, high blood pressure. They saw the stats across the board between blacks, whites, Hispanics, and American Indians. Black people were the highest percentage out of every single last one of the races, bro. Mm-hmm. We dying. We dying crazy. And it's that that blue I was like, yo, that I was like, what the hell is going on? Right. Hmm. So yeah, man. But let's get your giant gratitude. I know we do. I don't I opened no, it up too okay. much. I opened okay. it up too much. It's a new segment, Donald's rant. But <laughs> I feel you. I mean, my giant gratitude is trust. Um, I've had some great conversations this week 
And it started off by, and I told you, I met someone at a networking event and she was like, man, I just, I like your vibe. You just seem very trusting. It's natural for the business that you have with your, your best friend and business partner, as far as mental health. Um, and I've had conversations with some people that are close to me or that trust me with what they're going on in their lives. Um, and I just appreciate that, you know, like you said something earlier today, we grew up in a community where we tried to shame people to do the right thing. And you alluded to it because you was like, I'm trying not to beat myself up with everything that I got going on. Yeah. And I'm just proud of myself that I'm able to build that safety net or that safe space for people to trust me. Yeah. They know that when I'm speaking to them and I'm being real, that I'm not trying to break them down. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm I'm coming from a space of empathy and understanding. Yeah. But like, we gotta, like, we gotta, we gotta work on your shit (laughs) at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've had some really great conversations with friends um, that are going through some life stuff and I've just been real with them. It's like, look, you don't need my advice. You know what you need to do. You know what I mean? And either way, I'm here. I'm your friend. I, I don't think, I think what would allow them to make the right decisions for themselves is because mm-hmm. I told them that I was not going to judge them whether they made the decision or not, but they had to face themselves and realize that they are where they are in their life because of those decisions. For sure. So that's heavy. Yeah, mm. that, that's 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 where my giant gratitude is for the week, man. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a really good one. Yeah, it took me it took me all of um ten minutes to come up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, and you know, well, let's get right into our topic for today. I mean, you had, I want to call it a sabbatical. Yeah, you know I mean, you had what twenty four hour sabbatical, forty eight hours. Twenty four hours sabbatical. You, you had the Sabbath. <laughs> you had a you had a a, Year, a, a day of jubilee. Ju- day of jubilee. You had a you had a Malcolm X moment. You went to the was the motherland or what's it called? Uh, I guess it is my motherland. Your motherland. <laughs> uh, but you went to the to to where you were born in Chicago, Illinois, um, <clears throat> and you got to meet with some family members that really made an impression on you at a very early age. So mm-hmm. walk us through like what happened, how'd you feel and what you got out of it? Yeah. So just the, the backstory mm-hmm. is, um, my mother, my mother and I was abandoned by my father. Yeah. And my mother had me young at the age of twenty twenty one, And from there, um, she gave me over to my grandparents. Maybe, maybe I was like two, three years old. I don't know how old. And um, she went off to New York, and she had two of my other siblings with another man, and then eventually came down to Miami, and mm-hmm. had three more siblings with three three different men. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a relationship with my mom. Unfortunately, she passed away before we can even even have a conversation for real. Mm-hmm. My dad, I never met him before, but I found out back in 2017 that he passed away as well. Mm-hmm. So now, when I was in Chicago, man, that was a time where I felt loved the most in my life mm-hmm. because I was with family. 
and I was there until I was seven, eight years old. Mm -hmm. But when my grandmother decided to move to Miami because my grandfather passed away when I was about five from sickle cell anemia, so I, I'm assuming she just wanted to start over. Yeah. But when she, we moved down to Miami, it was like 93, 94. No, it wasn't 94. It was 92, 93, around that time. When we moved down to Miami, I lost all contact with the family in Chicago. Okay. Um, we just didn't talk anymore. It just, that's what just happened. I remember my godmother, um, well, my, I'm going to just clear this up. My godmother's mother um, came down to Miami one time. I think I was like 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And then my grandmother and I visited them one time when I was 13, and that was it. It's not until I got like my mid 20s when I went off to college, I started calling my 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 godmother's mom because mm -hmm. I always considered her my godmother. I would always call her, and um, we'll talk on the phone here and there. And she was the person more than anybody in my life. I've never experienced a love from anybody like that in my life that lady was the most loving person like you would think that i was her son mm -hmm. and the thing about it is it was not just her but it was my godfather my god sister my god all of them were just like it's like i was one of them mm -hmm. so i hadn't i hadn't like been in their presence like that since literally since i was like six years old mm -hmm. and though i visited there maybe back in what well, it was 20 it was before the pandemic so like 2018 when i visited them it was just a spot like i was just passing through so mm -hmm. i couldn't stay too long even though this time i was passing through as well but i had a whole day where i could spend time with them and at this point they're like late 80s my godfather's like 95 years old it's crazy like um, but he's in great health. I'm like, dang, this dude is strong. Like he's aware. Literally, he just stopped driving like two, three years ago. Oh wow. Yeah. My 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 godmother, she um she has dementia. So that's like, you know, she's asking the same questions over and over. But she has some form of idea. Like you can tell that she doesn't really know who I am as much, but she knows it's like something in her let her knows who I am. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. Um, like she knows you're familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's my godmother's mom. Mm -hmm. Call her Nenen Aunt. Let me just say her Nenen Aunt. That's what Nenen is godmother in um, Creole. Mm -hmm. So now my real godmother, which is Nenen Aunt's daughter, mm -hmm. right? she is the catalyst to why I'm even here right now. Mm. And I was able to sit down, have a good conversation with her yesterday because she only lives three blocks away, right? Um, she she takes care of Nen and An and and my godfather. She takes care of them. Yeah. Of, she's the oldest sibling, and man, that was just a surreal moment for me. She's the one that actually gave me my name. I never knew that. Oh wow! When my grand when my mother got pregnant with me, my grandparents kicked her out of the house, mm. and they didn't care what happened to her. <laughs> and yeah. she was the one at the age of like, cause she was like five years older than my mother. So like 25, 26 years old, mm -hmm. she was the one that took my mother in. And she was like, yeah, you were born right there in that room, right there. And I saw that room door. 
It was closed. I wanted to go in there to go see it, but at the same time, I was just like real nervous. <laughs> I was like, yo, I don't know. I was just like nervous. And I don't know why, but I guess it's just like, I don't know. So um, why, why did they, what, why did she pick the name Jonathan? Yeah, I don't even know why she picked the name Jonathan. She was just like, yeah, Jonathan, you know, in the Bible, you know, he was a good friend. I said, look, I, that was prophetic because everybody else said I'm trustworthy. I'm a good friend. Mm-hmm. So I was like, it was meant to be. Awesome. Um, and she was just giving me brief history on the challenges that my mother had. Gotcha. Um, how, I don't know, the relationship between my mother and my grandmother was just very toxic. And of course, as I got older, I, I noticed that, I witnessed that. And I saw how it divided myself and my siblings, but her giving me more context. It's like a typical Caribbean household. Like my, my grandmother had these super expectations for my mother mm-hmm. and what my mother and my grandfather didn't want to look into was that my mother was delayed. She has some type of mental health hangup. And they would tell her, they would tell them that, but they were like, no, she's just this and that and that. And same thing for my, same thing for my, my, uh, my uncle and my aunt too. Both of them, you know, my uncle, they were telling like, yo, you know, he's this and that and that. Like, you know, he's not talking yet. This and that. And my grandfather was like, no, he's just, he's just taking him some time. So they could have been gotten help, but they didn't want to face that reality that, yo, something's probably wrong. In denial. The same thing with my mother. My mother was a lot more normal than uh, her siblings, her brother and her sister, which my uncle and my aunt, but she had her issues too. She was so, older. Huh? She was older. She was old oldest out of the three siblings. Yeah, yeah, but she was only one year older than my aunt. One okay, one year. And then maybe like five, six years older than my uncle. So with well, her with your godmother telling you what the struggles that your mom had how did that make you feel? Did you have some type of empathy towards your mom? Well, you know, I started having empathy towards my mom maybe maybe like three three years ago. Yeah. And it's because I had to piece certain things together mm-hmm. myself and my godmother just confirmed certain things for me. That's really what it was. She confirmed a lot of things. So I stopped being upset at her. I think the main thing for me with my mother, why I was upset with her for so many years is because when she would call the house and she would actually speak to my grandmother and she would say, oh, let me speak to your mom. That was very hurtful because I knew she was my mom, but I guess she was, I don't know if she didn't want me to know or I don't know what it was. I don't know what she was thinking because she knew. <laughs> and then another thing, when I was eight years old, when we first moved down to Miami, when she told me that she would have flushed me down the toilet if she had the chance. So those are the, those two things. And then it was another thing when I remember when I went off to college and I took a year off of college, I took a real sabbatical. <laughs> I took a sabbatical and I was just doing all the mission work and going to schools and going to churches, raising money for kids in Haiti. You know, that's when the earthquake hit in 2010. That was a, that experience, it literally reframed the way I saw life. Mm. And I was like, you know what? it's time for me to have a relationship with my mother. Like I need to have a relationship with her. And at that time I was 25 because I had just gotten married. I'm like, yo, I'm married now. Eventually I'm going to have kids. Like, yo, I need to, I need to just repair this relationship with my mother. Right. But I wasn't emotionally ready for that relationship because 
I had poor expectations, very terrible expectations. Mm. Because when I was making an attempt to speak to her, she was just asking me for money all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, yo, I'm trying to build a relationship with you. And you're just asking me for money? And then when I'm telling you, oh, I, I'm in college. I don't got money like that. So, oh, could you co-sign this for me? Or do you have a friend that could do it? And I was like, yo, that's all she ever wanted mm -hmm. was for me to just give her stuff. And that turned me off and I just stopped calling her from then on out. Mm -hmm. But I, at that time, I wasn't, I didn't have the emotional intelligence to know how to work through that and right. meet her where she was. Not necessarily saying that I would give her whatever, but I could have tried not harder, but tried in a better way if my expectations were right. So, and this is the last question before you continue on your story. When it comes to your relationship with your mom and everything that you look at and the fact that she passed away, is there a part of you that deals with regret or feel like you missed out on a, a opportunity or you wish, you know, of course, I'm pretty sure you wish things were different. Mm -hmm. Is there some type of regret there? No, I, you know, I always try to ask myself that question from time to time, but I don't feel a sense of regret. Okay. I don't feel a sense of regret because even though it wasn't intentional, so to speak, my, my mother and my grandmother, they passed me through a lot of different things <laughs> emotionally. You know, like I've went through a lot because of wherever they were. Right. And, and like their their decision making and stuff. So I don't really have regret because I'm like, hey, I'm entitled to be upset. Like, yo, <laughs> y'all niggas passed me through a lot of bullshit. Like, I'm entitled to be upset. Um, and I've made amends with myself. Like, yo, hey, I forgive her now, but at the time I wasn't ready to forgive. Mm. And I'm no longer in a place where I really wanna have that conversation or have conversations and build a relationship with her. I feel as if, if I was in a place where I really wanted to build a relationship with her, then I would have had some regret. But I'm in a place where it's like, it is what it is. Like, I'm not gonna, that's definitely not something that keeps me up at night at all. Mm -hmm. I don't even think about that. Got you. Yeah. But yeah, so your, your godmother is, you know, giving you the spiel about your mom and then you see the room that you're, you were conceived in, or not conceived, I'm sorry, born in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You were born in, too. <laughs> and you said you wasn't sure about, you said your feelings was like, man, I don't know, kind of nervous. Did you feel like it was like a portal or something like that? Or like... <laughs> it kind of did feel like a portal, yeah. <laughs> I knew it, kid. We are true. I was like, uh, I don't know what's going to happen to me. Or the feels. Like VR Troopers like... was a show in the 90s. He's open his room door and end up in another galaxy. Nah, kid, I ain't want that. I would end up in another galaxy, all right? Another mental and emotional galaxy, for sure. <laughs> I was like, I'm straight. Mm -hmm. And the thing about it is that house, too, I remember. It's the same. I don't know how they long they lived there. But it's like the moment my godfather opened up the door and I saw the steps, I was like, oh, shoot, this is the same house. Because we never came through the front, the garage. Mm -hmm. You know how it is in the Midwest, up north. The garage is in the back alley. Yep. So I always remember the back alley. I almost come, you know, parking and going from there and going up the stairs. Yeah. So when I pulled up to the house, I was like, dang, they moved to another place. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, shit, it's been over 30-something years since I've been here. 
Mm-hmm. And um, but when I went up the stairs, when I the moment I saw the steps trigger, I was like, "Oh shoot, this is the same house." <laughs> then I walked upstairs. I was like, "Yo, this is the same crib." I remember the television setup, and it was like this swinging rocking chair that I used to sit on as a kid. I remember watching. Remember that show, The Three Stooges, that black and yep. white show with the. The, yeah. the three guys, well, I don't know, Larry, Curly, and Moe. Oh, yeah. You do know, that's them. <laughs> yeah, that's them, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, you know, and I was like, I remember watching that there and my, 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 um, Nen and An pouring me like a glass of milk to drink. I remember, it was like everything was just flooding and coming back. Mm. I was like, whoa, this is, this is crazy. And, um, it was a really, it was a sobering moment. Mm hmm. And just sitting there with my my godmother, I really took the time to love on her, sat really close to her. I held her, embraced her, kissed her several times. Even though she gum when she was like, <laughs> she like pushing me away and stuff. I was holding her hand and things like that. It was like, it is at that moment, I realized that I've never loved someone, an adult. I've never loved an adult like I loved her, like I love her. Because of the care. And that's the thing. I was only with them for a very short period of time of my life. For like only three, four years that I could actually remember. Mm -hmm. But it just shows you the power of love and care. Like when someone truly loves you, you feel it. Mm -hmm. And kids feel it. That's what I try to tell my clients, man. Like I understand single moms is tough and they get frustrated. And but I know one mom I'm working with, and she swears her three year old son doesn't understand the stuff that she's saying, which is like, oh, I, I can't stand that boy. I was like, yo, stop that, don't do that. He said, oh, he don't understand. I said, yes, he does. Humans understand. It doesn't matter what age they understand because communication is more energetic than it is verbal. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like they're going to. F- Feel your energy. Even if you don't say it, he feels something about it. He feels as if, wow, my mom don't really love me like that. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, so- he is, he's defining, and he's defining love with that behavior. Exactly, so- because that's mm-hmm. your mom, right? Your mom's supposed to love you. So if your mom's treating you that way, what do you think you're going to end up accepting as you get older? And to your point, that's why you love your nana so much you said that's the only adult that you can remember loving that much yeah but that's the only adult that loved you back the exactly same. and the only reason and the thing is i love her so much because i'm just reciprocating it because that's what she gave me exactly so the same thing with all them those growing up y'all niggas fucking hated me so i'm a hr back like <laughs> it's just natural you know what i'm saying so I'm hot, to, like yo you you can't People love to blame kids. That's the thing that really, it really bothers me when I see adults bring mm-hmm. their kids to therapy and they want me to fix their kids. Like, nigga, you the fucking problem, dog. That's why they acting like, I wish I could just tell them that. Maybe I should do like an Instagram video, like how I really think and feel when I speak to a parent. Maybe yeah. I should do that. Like, yeah. yo, nigga, you the fucking problem. That's mm-hmm. why they acting like that. Well, you think they just woke up and it is want to be disruptive and bad and get in trouble? No, mm-hmm. nigga. What environment have you created for that kid for them to be that way, man? Yeah, man. Like, come on, dog. 
But it's like, we're so quick to <laughs> point the finger at someone. It's so easy for an adult to blame kids. I noticed that. It's yeah. like, it's so annoying. But because I was that kid, and I'm still closely attached to how I felt when I was a kid, how they made me feel, that's right. how it's easy for me to pinpoint it. Like, nigga, it's you. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I try to politely <laughs> say that to them. But it's not getting through. It's not, not getting yet. through. Yeah. It's a, it, I mean, just like kids with adults, you have to, it's a repeated behavior that has to be done. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I'm teaching my kids. It took me a while to really understand this with, with my people pleasing and the different thing, my, valid, my, my struggles with validation and all that external validation. And it, it just hit me. We talked about head knowledge becoming heart knowledge, right? It really hit me. I was like, wow, the people that didn't respect themselves, that I tried so hard to love or respect, eventually disrespected me. And that's something that I want to show my kids is like, as you go through this life, as you're in this world and you start to meet people, Pay attention to the people that don't have self-respect. Pay attention. Because as much as you want to be nice and give them the total respect you think they deserve, they will disrespect you. It's only a matter of time. Only a matter of time. So please don't be shocked. Yeah. <laughs> Facts. Facts. Even my, lot- kids, mm-hmm. my kids. My kids. Speaking of kids, my kids have these neighbors and... There's one family there. And I always see there's something. Oh, they said this. Well, they say my thing is ugly. I say, well, you know, people like that. When when people are like that, saying those type of things to you, or they call you stupid ugly, that just shows you that you shouldn't be talking to them. They're not your friends. Mm-hmm. Go find other friends. 100%. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I always find it interesting, whereas I was having a conversation with a friend, and I was trying to get her to understand that I wasn't even, I was just trying to get her to understand like she should want better for herself Mm -hmm. and for her to want better for herself. She has to do better for herself. Right. And she she just randomly, oh, I don't have low self-esteem. I said, I never talked about your self-esteem. I never, I was like, where did that come from? Wow. And in my mind, I'm like, the fact that you said you don't have low self-esteem. There it is. Because insecurities are loud. Very loud. <laughs> you Very know, loud. they they say true power comes in your silence. Mm-hmm. So, mm. wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she done she done told on herself. So they right, right, I was in there like, <laughs> damn. I, I, I had to check my receipts. I was like, damn, what did I say? So I was I was like I was scrolling like and you like. I can't excuse me. me? Like, wow. Okay. you know so um but yeah so with that with that experience with everything that was running through you and i know i was talking to you during that time i know you was processing deep like so what is the what is the main thing you got out of that like what 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 did it do for you in your life moving forward One, Mm -hmm. it reconnected me with a great piece 
and a very important piece of my history. Like, my godmother and I, Rachel, mm. man, honestly, I don't remember her. Because she seems as if when I, when I was like around that time when I started to have consciousness, like four or five years old, it seemed like she was gone. Mm. And then my mother wasn't there. So I remember then and I, right? Um, but when I saw her, it's like she was like an extension of Nen and Aunt. For some reason, I feel that connection towards her. Mm. So she said something to me. I was like, wow. I was like, that's crazy. She said that. I'm sorry. I got this thing in my eye. That was bothering the hell out of me. That's okay. We're still on But she said when I was born, she asked my mom for me. And my mom said no. Mm. And I was like, but yeah, she ended up giving me to my to my grandparents, which didn't make any sense. Right. Right? But she was like, Yeah, you know, you're the you're the son that I never had. Wow. And I was like, that really touched me. I was like, damn, like, yo, for real? Like, and I can from that point, I was like, when she said that, we exchanged numbers and everything. She's like, Yeah, I'm gonna do a better job of keeping in touch. And she's like 60 years old. Mm-hmm. And I, and in my mind, I had to feel this feeling is like, yo, this is your mom. This is the lady. She took your mom in when your grandparents kicked her out. She she's the one that named you. Mm-hmm. Like all of these, I'm like, yo. So this is an opportunity for me to have a mother son relationship with somebody. And you know, I've always looked for that mother son relationship. Yeah, I, I tried to get it with my ex girlfriend's wife. That's why I, my I said my ex girlfriend's wife fallen. I tried to get that with my ex girlfriend's mom. And I love her to death, but it's mm-hmm. like, because I'm no longer with that girl anymore, it's like, I can feel it's not the same. So I just really don't try to like, really speak to her too much. I check up on her here and there, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother-in-law and I, we're good, but we don't have that type of relationship. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm, I've always been searching for that since I was a kid. Like, I want to have that mom. Not so much a dad, but the mom. Right. And I was like, yo, she's right here. Mm-hmm. Even when we get off this call, I'm going to call her. Mm-hmm. You know? Because I want to really build that relationship. You know? And um, that's that's the thing that I got out of it the most. Like, dang, like, there's a lot that's happening in my life that's setting me up for the next 30 years of my life, you know? No, for sure. And it's funny because as you went through uh, your childhood, some of your closest friends were the ones that treated you like family. Yeah. And you always searching for that mother son relationship, even the the hardships that you experienced with your birth mother. Part of the reason why you disliked her or even hated her is because she just never claimed you. Yes, exactly. She disowned you. She disowned you. And it's funny how you going back to your roots. Yeah. You found the person that ultimately she claimed you even from the womb. Right, so it's 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 poetic justice in a way. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and I'm yeah. definitely looking forward to like getting to know her more, mm-hmm. and um, building that relationship with her because it's not something that I expected, right? And that's the thing what I want people to understand when you're when you've decided like, yo, I'm gonna go on this healing journey. You have to understand you don't know what to expect, bro. You don't yeah. know what's gonna. You don't really know what's gonna happen. So 
when I went to see Nin and An and my godfather, in my mind, I'm like, yo, I want to see them because they're 80s, 90s. I don't know when they're going to go. I got to see them. Mm-hmm. I had to spend some time with them before they go. I had no clue that I was going to see Rachel, the woman that took my mom in when she was homeless, the mm-hmm. woman that named me, the woman that wanted me. I, right. ne- I And I never thought that, okay, I'm going to build a relationship with her. I, that, that was not in my mind at all. Right. So it's like, wow, like, when you go on a healing journey, it's a mixed ball of clay. You're going to discover some things that are going to be very hurtful and painful. Yeah. But you're also going to discover things that are going to make you feel good. And there's a potential of building relationships with people in the past. And there's so much that could happen. You just got to go on there open-minded and just let the chips fall where they may. No matter what happens, it's going to be for your good. For sure. And I, I think that's a beautiful love story that people didn't expect. No, none of us expected it. And I think it's just a testament to you sh- showing like you're not trying to control life anymore. Mm-hmm. You're taking it as it comes. And before we end the podcast, you know, I want us to be able to give the audience at least one tangible thing. Um, I guess not a ta- what, I was, what I'm trying to say is I want us to from now on when we end the podcast to give our audience maybe a term a teaching term that you could, you know, educate them on, right? Because one of the things that came out of your situation that we talked about earlier today was, was it micro PTSD? Complex. Complex PTSD. There we go. Complex PTSD. So if you could explain to them what many of us all experienced in life. (laughs) (laughs) So we've all heard PTSD. Yeah. And that's post-traumatic stress disorder, something happens to you, some type of trauma, and it affects you in four different ways. It affects you socially. It affects your sleeping. You you get nightmares. Um, It affects you in those type of ways. Mm -hmm. And post-traumatic stress disorders are things that just kind of happen. It's like a one-off type situation. Yeah. But complex PTSD is something that happens reoccurrently, like mm-hmm. being neglected and abandoned as a kid. That's something that happens reoccurrently, and then that's something that affects you in your adulthood. Got you. And there is like, what's another one? Um, Use yourself as an example. Um, yeah, so that's the abandonment and the neglect. There is, uh, well, those are the main two that I heard. There's oh, sexual and physical abuse, like mm. a child getting molested, like throughout their time growing up, like those type of things. So like and repeated behavior that compound over time. Yeah. Yeah. Those are complex PTSDs. And when you experience complex PTSD, it's like those things, it's like woven in your spirit. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. So that's where the the somatic therapy comes into the picture and somatic is like they deal with your body sensations and things of that nature that's where emdr comes into the picture Mm -hmm. art so these type of therapies they're different from talk therapy 
Mm, talk okay. therapy is more cognitive, like asking certain questions, so on and so forth. But when you've experienced complex PTSD, you have to, you can start off with talk therapy, but you need a trauma-informed therapist that, that specializes in somatic therapy, ART, EMDR, those type of therapies to really help that thing like detach from you, from your, yeah, from your personhood pretty much. Wow. Yeah. Well, with that being said, you guys got homework for the week. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I definitely appreciate you being vulnerable, not only with me, but with the audience. Hopefully this helped someone out there learn more about their past or want to learn more about their past or jump on the healing journey. Um, and as always, we're here for you guys. Um, you know, reach out to us so we can drop more content like this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get it. I'm waiting for you to tell me you love me. Oh, I love you, bro. And I appreciate I love you. you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bye. All right. Till we part again, my brother. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. And before we go, I just want to remind you, the man that says he can and the man that says he can't are both right. Which one are you? By his father and mother, he was abandoned. With no concern for his safety, they left him stranded. A life of hurt was the very thing he was handed. My apologies, cause I'm about to be candid. Every way he went, he felt ashamed alone. And his explosive behavior made it be known. Walked around as if he wanted to be left alone, but he was really carrying the weight of being disowned.